0: Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the GAA Statsman podcast, hosted by Matt Hurley. So you're all very welcome along to this edition of the GAA Statsman podcast, and I hope you're all keeping wonderfully well. In today's episode, I welcome Tipperary footballer Robbie Kiley who strangely enough plays his club football in County Cork, in West Cork, in fact, for Barry Rowe. And he used to play for Carby Rangers, where he won the 2016 Cork County title. And I'll be chatting to Robbie about that. And more so, I'll be chatting to Robbie about Tipperary's success in 2020. Obviously, it was an unbelievable year for the Premier County. They won their first Munster Football Championship title since 1935. And of course, I will be chatting to Robbie about that. I'll also ch- chat to Robbie about Tipperary's underage success from about 2011 to 2015. You may forget that in the 2011 minor football final, Tipperary beat Dublin, containing the likes of Jack McCaffrey, Kieran Kilkenny, Carma Costello, etc. Such an amazing side, and Tipperary beat them. They also beat Dublin in the under 20 semi final in 2015. Narrowly losing to Tyrone in the final, and also be chatting to Robbie about the underage success around that time period. And the year after 2015, Tipperary appointed a Kerry base manager called Liam Kearns, and he led Tipperary to their first dollar in semi final in a very long time, and also beat Cork for the first time since 1944 in the Munster Championship an unreal achievement for all involved. And that's really what started the Tipperary could bear a of success. They had three years really of disappointment from 2017 to 2019. They were lucky at a few games, which I'll chat to Robbie about as well. And then obviously 2020, God, what a year they had. Starting off beating Clare, then beating Limerick, and that brilliant final against Cork, where it was a momentous occasion for the whole Tipperary football team. It was a... Incredible day for all involved there. And they got the experience of playing Crow Park for the All Ireland semi final against Mayo. It wasn't like a usual All Ireland semi final in many ways because the fans weren't there. And also, I'll be chatting to Robbie about, you know, no fans at the stadium and the COVID restrictions and all that. I'll also chat to Robbie about the new manager that came in in 2020 for the Tipperary Footballers. Obviously, David Power, unbelievable coach. And I'll be chatting to Robbie about. His influence on the team. All those topics will be discussed in this episode and I hope you enjoy the interview. So I'm here with Tipperary intercounty footballer Robbie Coady, just to discuss Tipperary's season in 2020 and looking forward to 2021 as well. I suppose, Robbie, we're near the end now. Um, sunny days out ahead. COVID vaccines are being dished out everywhere now. I suppose, up until now, how's lockdown been for you?
1: been long <laughs> uh, it's the first part of it wasn't too bad you know because obviously 2020 season we were able to like intercounty players were able to train play matches and stuff like that after a while you know and we got through a fair bit of the season we got a bit of club football as well club hurling and then these last few months have been, have been very tough I, I, I found it mentally there after Christmas. And coming up to the end of March as well, it was, uh, geez, it was tough getting over the little slump after they said they uh, were going to extend it another four weeks. But I think once the weather, the extra hour, the weather, you said it yourself, it just gets a bit better, you know, and having something to look forward to. Hopefully it's not going to get put back again. And something to look forward to is always good, you know. So just hoping to get back out of the pitch, hoping just to get out, further than 5k really, you know, yourself, I would say you feel it yourself there as well, you know, it's just getting out past that that perimeter, is, it's just mentally, it's good for you, you know.
0: Absolutely, and as you say, hopefully the GA goes ahead of schedule. it might even be put back now, but we might talk about it later on, And yeah. um, I suppose Tipperary season, unbelievable season, monster champions for the first time since 1935, beating Cork in the final, what were your emotions when the final whistle went in Parky Creeves that day? I
1: was speechless. Do you know, I was absolutely trying to process it all. It was all just overwhelming, Do you know. And, and the weird thing about it is that there was no one there. There's no crowd there. It was just ourselves and we're all going mad. And the whole thing was just, it was like surreal because you didn't have any any feel of the crowd around you and the the enormity of the thing of, of the the result until maybe you got an hour after when you got onto your phone and started seeing all the texts flowing through and up on Twitter, seeing all, all, all the messages flying through. It was just, was totally surreal. You know, like I remember that week building up, you could sense it a bit, you know, like a lot of people were, like giving you best wishes. Um, But inside the camp, we were focused on one thing, you know, and I remember that week was actually probably one of the worst weeks training we had on the build-up. Like everybody was sort of trying to do their best, but nearly over trying at at a certain point. Um, One training session we had a big discussion and like halftime it was sort of uh, at A versus B and we were getting absolutely hammered by the B team and just nothing was going our way. And we just had to just relax and then build it back up for the, for the match. And then once the match came around, it was like, you know, it was just one, one day and you take you take first half as it comes and we got in at halftime and then we just regrouped and started again. And then, as I said, the final whistle blew and you just everything that I've, I've worked for and all of all of the team worked for that year came true but I'd say there's probably seven or eight of us that have been there eight nine years nearly 10 years some there 12 years like Brian Fox for the Boston and this is what the goal was all along and to achieve that is just incredible you know
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was brilliant for temporary football in general. And you mentioned it was a bit weird without the fans, I suppose. How did you find not playing? You played four championship games, obviously, without the fans and the dress rooms, I suppose, were very weird with COVID restrictions and whatnot. How did you find the whole thing overall last year?
1: For us, it wasn't too bad, you know, because there was a point in in the Munster final, actually, like Cork had a few chances and they, they got one or two over in a row and then they had they missed a few but i i, I always believe that if they had their their support behind them when they got those two first first two scores that they'd push them on a lot but for ourselves we have a, a small core group of supporters that are there always you know and and we know we know they nearly know them by first name basis when, when they go to all the matches and like for us, it wasn't too bad because we don't really have more than a thousand, maybe two thousand at, at certain games. We, we probably would have got a, a lot more at the Cork match, obviously, being, being a Munster final, being such a special occasion. But it was sort of norm, normal procedure for us in relation to the fans, because all through the league, there was no, like no fans. And you're, you're used to it at that stage. And then like the dress rooms were just strange strange environment altogether because we had we sort of split up backs in one dress room just and then you had midfielders and forwards in another dress room so we had our sort of two different pods and we we're sort of discussing the tactics that have been mentioned during the week just refining them getting those small few details back in, into our heads just to make sure that everyone's on the same page and then you go out to the field and then you would have a little chat but I think the water breaks as well Helped because it brought all the team together and those 15 players that are on the pitch could then re- regroup, calm down again, and just focus on on what the goal is, you know, and and, and it, it seemed to work for us really well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. An interesting point you made about the fans. I suppose, yeah, the Cork fans would drove them on even more, two points and all that. Definitely it played to your advantage there, but hopefully we will get the fans back and we need them, you know, to drive on teams and all that, But obviously, you didn't need it in your case. You won the whole thing anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. Like I've played a few matches, and you, I'd say you know yourself from even in watching games that if a team gets a run, it's very hard to break that run if the fans are behind you and pushing you on because it just ups everything. The crowd is shouting, and it's very hard for say the opposition that that have that are facing that that. Onslaught basically to try get tactics out to try break it down, try slow it down. You know, you'd see lads going down pretending to be injured or tying a few laces, you know, or the goalkeeper trying to slow it down a bit more. But when fans are there, it just makes the pitch much smaller. You can hear everything, you can you can nearly feel feel them on the pitch, pushing them on, like You know, so we were sort of grateful that, that Cork didn't there have their fans, but yeah, you know, that that's the way it went. And we were happy enough with it.
0: Absolutely, I would have thought so, (laughs) definitely. I suppose at the start of the year, it was a bit of indifferent start in Division 3 in the league. Like, you lost nearly every game. Like, I actually went to that match against Cork at Simple Stadium, and I thought you played absolutely outstanding that night. Unlucky not to win us, you scored 21 points. Uh, I suppose the COVID break was great for you in the sense that it gave you a bit of respite and it allowed David Power to implement these plans, I would have thought as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we had we had a horrible run at the start of the league, and that court match was actually our best performance. And we we twenty one points in a match, and you'd expect to win the game. But just we just were a bit leaky in the back. One of the three goals, I think we conceded, and that's, and that's you're not going to win any game if you if you concede the three goals. But uh, yeah, that 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 break just gave everyone just a rest from football. You know, like clear the mind. You're not thinking. Well, the last. Four weeks or three weeks, we've had three losses and one win. Joe, so we had a lot of pressure on you. I think when we came back, it was just shackles off. We know that it's all going to be played off fairly quickly. And we had to get the, just that first win at home It was against the Offaly. and it was it was a tough game, you know. And I think that was the real pinnacle point that you just you just knew there was something, something good going on, you know, like we we had to battle for that. Because awfully are a good team, you know, they're strong and they're very, very fast on the counter-attack. But it was one of those that we just had, had to get through and we managed to straight through and everything fell into place after that, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And awfully like I've had Keen Johnson on the podcast before and yeah, awfully outstanding. So you see them in Cueve as well, brilliant team, very underrated as well. And I suppose before the monster Championship win and even before 2016, that underage success between about 2011, 2012, winning the minor championship, obviously David Power was manager of that team and you beat Dublin in the under-20 in 2015 as well. Obviously, you were senior at that time, but some of the players were underage at yeah. that time. That definitely helped, I would have thought as well.
1: It is. Like, it, it's a bit different you know coming from 20s into senior it's a small like the, obviously the physicality goes up a lot you know and I think if you're successful underage you do hold that experience you know and um, I think it just takes lads time to get adapted to that senior level you know just the, the speed of it even the extra 10 minutes from going from 60 to 70 minutes or whatever it it does add a little bit something I I, I find it myself and you're coming up through you're just you feel like you're ready for it but then once you get thrown in you're caught by just this pace and physicality of it all but definitely like whatever experience you have of winning big games or tight games like the younger lads that are in the group they're they're the most confident lads that I've met on any football field you know they're they're happy to go out against anyone and and take them on you know they they know that in themselves that if they perform, they can beat anyone because they've had that experience of beating that under-20 Dublin team and even the minor Dublin team that had all, all the great stars that we see today, you know? So it's just trusting in, in the, themselves and getting it right on the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, it does take a bit of time, I suppose, under-20, and it took the right time, I suppose. But after yeah. that in 2016, you got to the all semi finals an amazing run that must not be forgotten either. You beat Cork for the first time since yeah. 1944, beat Galway in Crow Park, a comprehensive win against the current champions. You scored one of the points of the year, I remember very well, outside the boot. Yeah, some
1: people say it's a fluke, but I always say I meant it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, actually, that that was that was some year for us, you know, I think it, again started with, with Cork, just was one of those that we, it was, I suppose it was a monkey off the back because we always thought we had Cork, like the beatings of Cork, you know. It was one of those things that we just had to get over the line. I think a few years prior to that, we lost by a point or two. And it's always been close enough. Uh, but yeah, winning that match, getting into the, to play Kerry down in Clarny was unreal as well. The day down there was was gorgeous. We just, we just overthought the game like way too much. We, we were going in there just thinking about the result instead of thinking about each phase as it comes you know and we got blown out of the water by then and then you had, you had the tough back door coming through like going to Derry, trying to beat Derry up there or, or yeah it was it was in breffney park i think was
0: it i, I think, it was, yeah. think
1: where it was yeah but yeah that was tough and we were down a half time i think and we had to come back again in that and you know it's just all character building and like that team, 2016, you had uh, a few players that had a bit more experience than than ourselves playing the big games. Um, and then then getting to Galway away. Croke Park was like, once we got to Croke Park, we were delighted and we were playing with the shackles off because everyone had wrote us off, you know. And I think Croke Park suits our team. It's just big white spaces and... And let the ball into the boys inside, and, and Sweeney and Quinlevin know what to do with it in there, you know. So it was great here. I can't, I can't deny that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I remember even Comerford kicking the ball out into Quidlivin, and you looked like that already. Right? You played without fear in that game. And even against Mayo, I thought you were very unlucky in that game as well. I thought,
1: yeah, yeah. We're talking 2016, are we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, from the the seven or eight minutes I oh got, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a good game. <laughs> but then looking on, you know, once once those seven eight minutes come are gone and you're off the field, you just want the lads to do whatever they can, you know. And there was two unlucky goals scored against us. Like we, there was a half a block down there in the second half, and it's creeped in into the corner. And after, or creeped in, and I think it was Connor O'Shea came along and, and drew a boot at it and just put it like five or six points ahead of us. And that was a killer. And, uh, but yeah, we, we, we played very good that day against a, a top Mayo team, you know, and we just thought that using that experience in 2020, we maybe, maybe have uh, been overconfident going into it. And, you know, just just happened to be a different way in 2020. Do you know, we weren't in the long grass or we weren't uh, an unknown force. They played this, played against us before and they, they just knew what to do. But yeah, like, Mayo, quality team, you know, <laughs> no matter when you play them, really.
0: Yeah, definitely outstanding team. Probably one of the best ever to win the All-Ireland, in all honesty. But um, oh, yeah.
1: like the players they have is incredible, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, without a doubt. And I suppose in 2016, like Liam Corns coming in from Kerry, I mean, he's he did wonders for Tipperary football. Dad, he must have been brilliant, you know, driving on the players uh, to create some shocks that year. I would have thought as well.
1: Yeah, he, he's he's a very driven man. <laughs> that's that's one way of putting it. Uh, yeah, he's brilliant. Uh, at the start of him, when he came in, he, he changed it all altogether. Like we were we were used to, you know. Not not taking handy, but a different style of management, let's say. And he, he was just came in and said, I'm not taking any bullshit, like John, you know, going straight at it, lads. If you're in, you're in, if you're out, you're out. You know, it was it was that sort of thing. And once you're in, you're 150% in there. It's not like uh ah, yeah, I'll show up today at this transaction or not. And and you know, I won't go 100 percent You have to be on the ball every day and there on time. Joe, you know, he just brought a level of professionalism really that we weren't we, were, we weren't at that level before, it was just brought up again another, another, another level Like I, I'd say it for every, every manager I've played in anyway un, or under they've always brought up the level, you know, they've always just increased gradually like Evans was a huge step, step up and started the whole underage development squads and then it was Creeden after that and Creedon then brought it up again, he goes you know, we'll just build on top of it and then Kearns came in and he just said right you're at a certain level now to get to where you want to get, you just have to go an extra little bit harder, give that extra few more percent in training and and, and you know, this guy's the limit, really. And it turned out to, to work to our advantage for the first few years and then the last year was just injuries and just stuff going against us, you know, and it was just not, not, not working. So he, I suppose he had to step away, which is, I felt disappointing, but Joe you know, t- turned out to, to work out in the, in the best way because Bauer came in then and uh, he brought it to another level as well. He brought a different style of training. He's very much a, a man manager and you know, keeps the lads happy and he has great team around him just that coaches and do, does all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, not every every manager that has come in has brought it to a new level, which is great for tip football, Joe, you know, and it just brings that level up more and more. And, get us closer to, to the higher teams, like the top-tier teams.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, like in 2017 18 injuries were, especially 19, a uh, main problem. But 17 and 18, I thought you were quite unlucky in some games. Like, I remember Cork again, like a last-minute goal in 17, in 18 against Mayo at Fluke, Beachy. I suppose they were disappointing days as well in them three years, I would have thought as well.
1: Yeah, like... Do you know any that sport though? You know I always look at that and like on the day I take it hard. Like you know, I'd be down. You you just find it a few days after a week after you're just thinking about that goal that went in. It's like how the hell did it go in? You know it's just something against us. But then it it always happens for a reason. I get told people always say like these things happen and uh, you've just got to build on it and. Lucky you enough. They're all learning experiences, and as as you go on through your career, you know that if you score a goal against Cork in the last few minutes, they're not getting down the field. Basically, Do you know you just have to have to learn that you can't let a lad run all the way down the sideline and, and hand pass the ball across for easy knock in. And then the Mayo the Mayo matches, you just you just have to play the ball then until it's dead, and just make sure that everything everything that you can control, you control. So. Yeah, it's all a learning experience and something that we've taken forward all, all the time along, you know. And I think it showed this year against, against Cork in the most final the week. There was no way we were going to let in a goal there towards the end. Everyone was putting everything on the line just to get over, over and win that match, you know. So they're all learning experiences. Like...
0: Absolutely. Everything's a learning experience, I suppose. That's how you get to the top. And I suppose look at David Power when he came in, like he won the minor championship, obviously, which tip in twenty eleven, and then went for a big bit of experience in Wexford a few years later. And yeah, when he came in, you were expecting big things, I suppose, from David. Were you?
1: Um, yeah, me, me myself, I'd never never worked underneath him, so I was I was going on the word word of other lads that chatted, you know, but he. Really, be talking to the lads, to see what's he like, you know, and they're all like, yeah, man manager, but I didn't really get much of a feel off them, you know, and they were all delighted that he's coming in. So I was, I was thinking that there must be something about him. And when he did come in and first chat with him, you knew why why lads like just emanated towards him, you know. It was just he he had a way of talking to you, Like you were the, like the only person there, and he, he wants to get the best out of you. And he's asking for your like your opinion on what what you need, or how can he help you become the player that you want to be? And I think that's that's huge in this in this day and age now, especially with like the COVID climate and everything, just to make sure players happy, you know. If the fellow's not happy even in his personal life, going into training, he's not going to be happy in training and he's not going to have the best out of it, you know. So after Dave came in, then and he started training. Like you, you can see what manager he was. He was uh, he lets the coaches do their job and then he'll he'll sort out and he'll he'll sort out the team from, from viewing the lads at training, like which is fantastic. And it's something that I think a few coach or a few managers don't tend to do, they tend to try to get in and do the coaching themselves. But Dave has a plan, he gives it to the coaches, and the coaches execute that, which is which is exactly what you want as a player. You want to know the plan and you want to know like these, la- these coaches are there to to implement it you know, and Dave is watching on and he's he's keeping an eye on training and he's making sure that everyone's in place, so it's, it's great
0: Yeah, outstanding manager one of the most underrated managers I think in the country at the moment, and I suppose like look at the Munster Championship like you beat Clare, you beat Limerick and both of them were very tough teams, and then I suppose the next day, Mark Keane's goal, like for myself I was uh, jumping around and you know, it was unbelievable, really. But for yourselves, did you see that opportunity that it wasn't Kerry, you know, All-Ireland's contenders? It was Cork who he had the number on for a few years in league and championship and whatnot. Did you sense that opportunity that the mudster could be there for you this time?
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. I'd be lying if I said it. we didn't, you know. Like, Cork were playing Division Three along with us. You know, we ran them close in the league. Scored 21 points against them. You know, it it was everything was aligning from our side because we haven't beaten Kerry in championship in I don't know how many years, you know, if if ever. <laughs> I've I've never come close to them anyway. Um, but when when Cork got that win, we, we we had a little sort of discussion with ourselves and said the opportunity is there, it's not gonna come around too often when when everything just aligns itself. But yeah, would you'd be you'd be silly not to like Kerry were being tipped for all Ireland's winners like you know and then when, they, when when they got knocked out it was it was a shock to everyone so when, when we saw that it was it was just an opportunity you know so it's it's just delight we delighted that we we could execute on, on what we wanted to do
0: yeah absolutely it was a brilliant win in the end and i suppose the Mayo game again it was a bit of a learning curve maybe for next year Like, Mayo, I don't know, a lot of people were saying, including myself, that you could put up a chat, but then Mayo, like, Killian O'Connor scored, what was it, 4-9 that day, unbelievable performance, and Mayo were just just unbelievable from them, and you have to give them credit, and even against Dublin, they only lost by five points in the final, I suppose that must have been a learning point as well for the team.
1: Yeah, like... Mayo came out and blew us, blew us out of the water. You know, it was one of those days that was just eye-opening, really. Um, we got a few opportunities to start the match, and maybe if they went in, the match would have changed for the better. Mayo would have had to come out more and leave a few gaps in behind for Sweeney and Mikey inside that we could actually get that 2 and 2 that we wanted. But, um, yeah, after... after I scored the first goal and the second goal, the intensity they brought up front just blown us out of the water. Like they had so much, I don't know, so much fitness, just and so much like tactical noose just to be able to trap our defenders or trap the lad on the ball and make sure that it's very tough coming out of defense. And and it was totally different to like what I remember in 2016 playing them even 2018 playing them it was it was just a high intensity press from Kenny O'Connor initialed playing full forward as well and he was sort of orchestrating it all he was he was nearly like a, a coach on the field telling lads where to go and then you had the young fellas that had just paced the burn up there and and yeah they just they just brought it that day and it was just awesome you know it was just they blow us out of the water and we see you later really <laughs>
0: Absolutely, but even in the five years, two our semi-final appearances, like Tipperary would have you dreamt that maybe 20 years ago when the likes of Declan Brown were playing. Like, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I suppose, look at your team, I know this might be a bit of a tough question given the talents and abundance in that team, but who would you say is the main player that couldn't really, you know, be out of the starting 15 on a given day? Oof.
1: That is a... Tough question. <laughs> I think there's a, there are a lot of players that work like together. You know, it's it's like S- Sweeney. Sweeney is the main man up front. Like, and there's no 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 uh, no stopping him really. When he's on his on his day, he's on his day. But uh, yeah, like he has to be in, in the team. Joe, even even if he's having an off day, he's still scoring six or seven eight points, and he, he's. He's keeping us in the game. He's keeping us taking over. But, uh, yeah, I'd say it has to be him, really. But then when you combine, say, Stevie O'Brien there driving forward, being able to pick the ball to Mikey and and, uh, Sweeney, um, yeah, he's massive as well. And then looking from a backs point of view, I think uh, Alan Campbell has to be probably number one on the list in the backs. He's, he's one of the top man markers that I've seen. He's he's up there with the best of them, Joe. He's he flying fly it. Um and he, he has to be number one in the list when, when you're picking your backs. Uh yeah, so probably those three, really. Yeah. Sweeney, Stevie, and Campbell you know.
0: Yeah, I suppose unbelievable. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> <any given>.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I suppose it's very hard to pick already such an amazing team, and you all gel together. Yeah. And I suppose your hopes for next season, like you have the monster in the bag now. Um, I think it's going to be provincial again next season. I'm not sure whether the fixture list will be out next week now. But what are your hopes for next yeah. year? Do you think you could realistically retain the monster championship?
1: Well, if being truthful, like it carries the favourite, you know, and we'd hope something similar happens that happened last year. You know, <laughs> like even if even if we caught Kerry on, on a bad day. I think we could beat them, yeah. If we catch Kerry at a good day, it'll be very, very tough. <laughs> I'm not gonna say we'll be able to beat them at all, you know. But um, hopefully they take us granted. But I don't think Kerry will take anyone for granted once championship this year. You know, they'll they'll have learned so much from from that that beaten last year that they'll just be gunning for everyone. You know, it's I think it's it will be Kerry's to lose if we're speaking realistically. Um, and as far as Tip tipper concern really is like, yeah, we see what the draw, the draw, everything in the draw has made, you know, and like the most championship, you could have Cork carry on one side and us again on the other side, and we get to another month's final, and you just don't know on a month's final day as well, like, which would be fantastic. Um and then in relation to league, it's just all about getting promoted, you know, getting back back to division two. That's a that's a huge goal for ourselves, and that's That's probably what we're focused on at the minute is just get out of that group and get, get back into where like the top tier teams are and that'll just improve everyone. Once they get up to that level, everyone will get a a big boost and that's, that's where we want to be really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose you had to have to build on that. And I suppose division two, it's kind of imperative getting back up. And I suppose while we're on the division two, division three, um, you know, topic. You aren't in the tier two championship because you won the monster championship last year, which is only right, really, for the GA Cavan, the same. But I suppose in years to come down the line, are you in favour of the tier two championship, or are you not?
1: In in some ways, I am, and in some ways, I'm not. You know, uh, I I would have preferred like a Champions League format, Joe, and then then let let. Let the like the cream come to the top. Um like for example, you could have Cork this year or yeah, Cork this year. If they came up against two tougher teams and then they were in division three, just on a freak result, like lost by a point or lost by like a last minute goal, let's say. Um, and now they're they're back down division three and playing playing the tier two, I'd find that. Hard, hard to swallow you know I, th- I still think that in a tier 2 system you'll have beatings that are going to be like akin to what's there today you know like Dublin playing playing like anyone in Leicester really <laughs> this year uh, like that's, that's still going to happen in tier 2 you're still going to have those beatings you know and maybe it gives those middle teams a bit more oomph to go and 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 get a bit more experience to get into that tier one maybe that's the idea like personally i would always like to be in the pot for for like tier one to get sam Ware. that's just all style of thinking for myself um i know a good few of the younger lads enjoy or, or like would look forward to tier two and voted for but like we could all this could all be wiped away if 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 I think if Champions League format came in, and you had like a Champions League, and then the what the, the bottom two of the groups go into the Europa League, and everyone had a crack at it. I know they're they're back and they're out, but to to make teams start the year, no, you're not having a crack at it, really. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's the answer to the question? I the jury's still out. We have to we have to see how it goes the first time around.
0: Absolutely, you have to try these things out. And yeah. I myself would have been in favor of Champions League format. Like, I suppose every team would have had four games that way, and it probably would have been it? better.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just games. Like, players want to play games. So I think the good thing about the COVID for the GA is that, like, when we went back, it was game after game after game after game, which was fantastic. Like, I, I loved it. The body didn't love it too much, but. <laughs> I, I love the being able to, to just get out there, Joe, not going through December, January, or even November, December, January, slogging through the dirt and the muck and trying to get back up to fitness and in all that weather and then playing a few matches, take another three weeks break, play another few matches and just, I wait for just getting out there, getting the matches done, Joe, you have, what, four or five weeks pre-season, pre-season <laughs> and then, uh. Then off you went. So, yeah, the more matches, the better So That's why Champions League format for me would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it's, everybody has their own opinions on it and we'll have to respect them in the future. And I suppose it's a bit strange for yourself. You're not playing club temporary football. You moved out to Cork, I don't know, was it years back? Do you want to tell us a bit how you moved on to play club, club yeah. football in Cork?
1: So what happened was... When, when we were in Tip, um, well, well we, I actually started playing football in Dublin. So we started in Dublin in uh, Kilmaku Croaks. My father had a business down there. He, he started up a business. And and for the first 12, 13, 12 years of my life in Dublin, playing football there, and then we moved to Tip. And then that's where my father was from. And moved down there, played football, and started getting into the county team then in Tip. And when it came to the end of, end of secondary school, started college, I decided to go to Galway to go to college. And at that time, my mother's mother was ill. So she just, we decided then to move down to West Cork. And that, that was the, the catalyst really then to how I ended up there. Because when I was in college in Galway, I remained playing with the Tipperary team. So Arville Rovers was a team I was playing with in tip. And, uh, yeah, so I used to travel down from Galway to, um, to Tip to play, play matches and it's just easier for me. And then when, when a time, time came to move from, from college to, to the work life, I decided to, to move to Cork and try to find a job in Cork and thought that was the time to actually change club because it was just the travel was getting to me a little bit, you know, like from Galway to... I just wanted a club probably a bit closer um and and that's pretty much what happened that's how I ended up playing club football in Cork and i just sticking with tip because tip tip was like a club team to me I I, I played all from from minor all the way up along and was there nearly six years at the time and it was just that was just the way it was and all the lads were there it was pretty much just like another club club team to me at that time and and that's that's how how it came about a lot of a lot of steps along the way (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> definitely a lot of steps along the way like you've been nearly all over the country Dublin, Tip, Galway, Cork oh jeez yeah. <laughs> great great well, start. Yeah.
1: exploring Ireland today we'll put it that way <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I suppose in club football probably uh, one of your highlights I suppose winning the Cork Senior Football Championship with Carrie Rangers in 2016 has to be up there beating yeah. Balloncolic in the final uh, what were the emotions like on that day in Parky
1: it was it was strange for myself, you know because you could see I could see the emotion of everyone else I was obviously delighted when we won It was one of my goals when we went down to Ross. i was like, i have i have, we have to win a county county title here like that's my goal coming here because I know you have the capability to do it, so you might as well do it um so then when when the final whistle went you could see the sheer emotion of everyone. I really didn't realize at that time how big it was to Ross Carberry and as, as like a little t- town themselves, you know, it was, it was huge. And I, I, was, I was delighted for myself to achieve, achieve the goal I wanted, but it was actually to see all the lads that I've trained with, with, with nearly two, two and a half years at that time, and then seeing all them just... Burst out of emotion. It was just incredible, you and I could really sense the club atmosphere at the time when we did win it. It was just huge. It was something that I'd never experienced before, and it was, I suppose, winning the Munster was close to close to that same emotion. But I think having all the lads and every single one of their family there in Parkyreen at the time it was just incredible. Just see it, seeing it was. Was amazing. I was delighted to be part of it. You know, it was probably one of the best best experiences in the GA that I've had, you know. It was unreal, unreal. It's hard to describe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was at that match as well that day. And yeah, it was a brilliant scene of emotion for Ross Carby people. I know a few of them all right from school and et cetera. And yeah, they're passionate. All right. And I suppose um, your manager at the time was actually the Cork senior football champ manager at the moment, Ronan McCarthy. He must be brilliant to walk under as well. I would have thought.
1: Yeah, again, he's he's just another different style of management. Do you know, in down in Ross Ross, he was a very he was hands on. You know, he, he had certain drills, and he you know he he put the way he wanted to play in place. And as well as that, he, he was a no nonsense manager. Do you know, he wasn't taking any of the any politics or anything like that. He was he was picking the team based on form and and how and that was gonna be how it was. And it worked, you know. And every everyone was was put where they where they played best, and and he just had had that way, and he commanded re- respect by by his actions. It was it wasn't an iron fist or anything like that, but he, he you knew the way he talked and the way he came across in the dressing. Room that he, he knew what he was talking about, and he has he has a way with the lads, and he has a way with with managing the team that that just just comes across on the pitch, you know. He, his sort of, his, his way of doing things finally gets put across on the field after, after getting, getting through the training sessions, through the hard work. It just, it just shows, shows the results on the pitch, you know, you can even see it with Cork. Like I can see it during their league, their league run. You can see that his, his stamp was all over that. And he, they were playing unbelievable stuff. And even like, carry and then they, they just had an off day against us really when I when I, when you think about it the one bad result they had all year was against us in the Munster final and that was that's the way it went that's the way it went they could have come at the start of the year against this the first first match they played in the league but it, it just ended up being against us so happens that way.
0: Yeah absolutely probably a facial speaker I suppose well I'm sure he's a principal in the school as well Unbelievable man and unbelievable manager for Ross Carberry at the time, and I suppose yeah. in 2020 you made a bit of an interesting move down to Junior West Cork football with Barry Rowe. And do you want to to tell us a bit about that move?
1: So like as I was saying before, just seeing the <coughs> seeing the the emotion of the people of Ross Carberry after they win win a such a big event uh, like hit, like the county final. It just it just got me thinking after that, like about like my family's based in in West Cork down in Cormac Sherry and Barryroe would be the local club where the brothers the cousins they're all part of that club. So I just decided at that that it was it was time in my life that I I i had like what two or three three years maybe left playing and I I was just saying it's time to move down and probably go back playing with the brothers for the first time in probably 10 years, you know, <laughs> which is very strange when you think about like the GA club scene and, and family and, and uh, the parish is all about is, it's just, that's what GA is about. So I just said, oh, it's time, time to go back, back to the, the roots, let's say, and back there with the brothers and just enjoy, enjoy the crack. And that was, that was pretty much it. You know, I achieved the goal at Ross that I was delighted to do. Um, and it was just, was just try, achieve, we'll try to achieve something now down the Barrow and who knows how happen. Might my, my coat frizzle out to nothing, but hopefully it won't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose, what's the main difference between senior car football and junior car fo- football? I suppose the fitness of players would probably be a main difference there.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. I've I sort of got a uh. Well, a shock to the system. Playing the first first junior matches. The the uh, the standard is it's it's all right. Like, but you have obviously certain fouls and certain uh, ways of playing the game get get away, and referees don't see certain things like they do on senior level, and just a different style of football. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like the main difference is pretty much the like fitness. And it's skill level, you know, like, obviously, some clubs are very much pointing one way, you know, they want to go play football constantly or play hurling constantly. Very few dual clubs I see really around Cork that are successful, you know. So in a a small parish in Barrow, you know, you're, you're taking a very select few kids, kids or adults, like bringing them up through the ranks and, uh yeah like it's just the skill set some of them probably way better hurling than they are at football and but you still have to use the same same group of of lads for all, all across the board you know i think we had we had actually 30 30 people on the panel there last year but a lot a lot of them probably hadn't hurled or played football in in a good while you know and it was only when covid came along they decided back in and fair, like fair play to them joe it's time, time to get back in and do something and so you know, it was it's it's the skill skill level wasn't there as much as it would be with a senior club that's been playing, let's say, football all the way up along, you know. But uh yeah, that's the main main difference really.
0: Yeah, and I suppose, look at Barry Rowe right now, they have you, few, obviously, they have a few young players coming through, including Rhino Donovan, who was on the minor car panel in 2019, got the crucial goal in extra time to beat Galway. Barry Row football is on the rise, do you think? Uh, yeah, like,
1: it's... There's, there's there's a way of looking at it at a junior football level, do you know, it, a lot of lads don't have experience of, of say... Myself, and Ryan have been playing football at a high level. So they're used to playing a certain style of football and trying to get that changed within their own like it, with their own head is 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 tough. You know, they're they're stuck to a certain way of playing the game and, and that's the way they want to play it. Trust trying to show them different options around it is is the hard part, you know, and trying to show them that actually there's a different way of getting a score. You don't have to just boot it in there and hope for the best. You know, we can we can work it and uh yeah, there's there's some great footballs and footballers coming through in, in uh, Barrow. Like, I think that there's there's a great opportunity. Um, and like, for me, it's about seeing what they can do and seeing seeing how they can learn. Like, I think they've had a few and Gales results all the way along, you know. And I think my my younger brother was part part of the successful team there as well. And I don't know, really. The years or the history about it, but I know that they've <laughs> they've had results that they've had a good success. But it's just about bringing that to to see to senior level, let's say, or junior, junior level, and getting lads playing together and just knowing what what way they run or what way so you know, getting them connected in a certain way that opens up opportunities for them to, to score more, probably maybe defend better. So it's all about just developing that that relationship between the team and between certain players and who knows what could happen, you know, especially if they're young, they they're, they're open to learning all these things.
0: Absolutely. And it is a developing club without a doubt in junior level. I suppose before we get on to, you know, questions on Instagram, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Dublin incident yesterday morning about them breaking COVID-19 rules in the North side Uh, and nine players were training what were your thoughts about that when the news broke out yesterday? Uh,
1: it's just, uh, I think it was a bit of a storm in the teacup, really, you know. I think Dublin probably weren't, they, they probably didn't do it themselves justice in how, how it happened, you know. I think, like, if they went to, if they split the group into a four and a five and they went into a public park instead of going to a GAA field, that should have been closed. If the selector wasn't there at all, John, you know, four lads got together and did whatever they got to do. John, you know, you'd see people up in Tremor Valley Park here having a picnic, and four of them there having a coffee, and a few lads doing training there, like rugby lads doing training. You have boxing lads I saw there earlier on today. John, you know, there wouldn't have been much as much possible. I think it's the fact that it's Dublin, and they've come across such as uh, like role model team, you know, and what they say in the media is everybody is, you know, everything's for the team and all that. And I think it's just because of that, the media had wanted to jump on it, but I think it's a storm and teacup really. Like they, they should have done it probably better or whatever way they were going to do it. Like 7am in the morning and going to GA field, probably not the smartest thing in the world, you know, but nothing Absol- to it,
0: really. Absolutely. Yeah. You put it right there. I suppose it is a storm and a teacup. Um... Yeah, they might have been wrong, you know, going out into a GA field that should have been closed, but I suppose it shouldn't have been, like, a front-page headline on the Independent, in my opinion, either.
1: No, not at all. You know, like, I think they, they wanted to make big news about it, and it did make big news. Like, people were giving out about it, you know, and that's fair enough. Like, a lot of people have had, have had like, problems during COVID, you know, and, like, hopefully... People come through it and for the better, and like they stick to their five k, and you know, all the restrictions lift, everyone forget about it, you know. But like as well as that, it's just it was just handled so so wrong by Dublin themselves, you know. They should have just given the lads their training session if they have a training session, go out and do it. You know, if you want to kick ball with a fella, you can go kick ball in public park with someone. No one's gonna give out stink like they might have even got better press if they went out and someone spotted them. And John, Jesus, fair play to them. They're they're sticking by the rules and all that. You know, they're just doing their own work themselves. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know. Like people have opinions both ways, Joe, And it's in, in my opinion, it was just it was just blown out of proportion. Like what was it, six pages or something like that, wasn't it?
0: Something like that. Paper? Yeah.
1: There's a lot of, a lot other, more other things going on in the world, and uh, especially in Ireland, that, that could have been on those six pages, you know. So uh, it'll blow over like like most things, will blow over, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. We hope it'll blow over anyway. And hopefully the championship starts soon. And uh, just before you go, there's a few questions here from Instagram. Yeah, no um, how does club football in Cork compare to club football in TIP, i.e. the standard attitude, support, etc. cetera?
1: Yeah, so that was probably one of the biggest things when I came down was from, from my club in Tip compared to the to Ross was that the amount of the numbers in Ross, the dedication to football itself. Because in in the club I was with in Tip, like there was a lot of different sports and a lot of people were involved in all sports. So there's rugby, soccer, uh, football, uh, hurling, all those different teams had, times the train during the week when it came to the club championship you know the way club is september october sometimes further into the into the winter but when i came down to ross it was everybody's doing football you know and everyone has to be there and the intensity was so high in, in in training sessions and places people were just so on it every training session and that was just the difference because in tip you'd have lads that were tired or coming late from a different training session and you couldn't go as hard but Everyone down in Ross was just absolutely 100% are going to football and, and that's it. And it was, it was, it was a shock to the system, to say the least. Got put into a little fat club.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose, um, as I said, I've been with, uh, you know, a few Ross lads, friends with a few of them. And yeah, even hurling and football, they're fully committed onto football and, you know, hurling, they put it to one side and that's contributed to their success, I would imagine as well.
1: Yeah, you see any 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 team really that is successful, they they do concentrate on one thing. You know, you'd wish you'd wish a dual a dual team could come along and, and prove us all wrong and just show how good it could happen. But I think if you commit your three days of training in a week to football, you get or to hurling, you get so much more done.
0: Absolutely correct there. Uh, next question here, which year was better for temporary football wise, 2016 or 2020?
1: uh it's hard to know now because 2020 is only recent enough uh, like 2016 was was amazing because it actually opened the eyes of a certain people around the county to say that actually there's there's potential there when when stuff stuff gets put for for the footballers there is potential in the team. So we we could see a few a few of the club players actually coming in it. And and giving a hand and giving their hand and trying trying to, to make it. A few, a few of them did like you know they they committed to the cause, which obviously helped us for 2020. But it'll be interesting now this year. I already you can see like a few players added to the WhatsApp group that I wouldn't know before. And uh just chatting to Dave and the selectors, that a few of them are are definitely young lads that have come on. So I will take. Th- I will. I will think in the future it will be twenty twenty just because of the success, just of that we have a medal in the back pocket and we have proven that we can win something. I think twenty twenty will be more influential for for Tipperary football going forward. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next question here: Any young talents coming through at Barry O' and I suppose any others other than Ryan O'Dullivan and seeing as We talked about him before. Um.
1: In football or hurling? No, that's the question.
0: <laughs> Ball probably. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think uh, Ryan's, a spe- Ryan's a special talent. You know, he, he he has his flashes that I've seen so far. He's, he's flashes brill- brilliance. Like, you know, um, he just needs a consistency. Get, again, get used to senior level football. Adults playing around him. Um, who else would there be? Mark Crowley's good. Solid player. Do you know, again, it's consistency. A lot of this is based on lads just playing at playing at the senior level and getting that consistency up. Um, there's a few other lads there, do you know, that you'd put you put your you'd say that they'd have the ability to do it. It's just whether they can they can pull it out themselves is another thing. So We'll see in the future, you know. one of those. Uh, I'll dodge that question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there is um, brilliant young players at Barrow, definitely, and uh, there's probably no need to name names. They all know they're yeah. unbelievable players. And and the final question here: Who was your idol growing up? Uh,
1: my idol. Well, it's, it's a strange one actually, because since since I grew up in Dublin, um, it was it was actually Johnny McGee, was centre back for Dublin. Back in, back in the day, let's say. <laughs> but uh, that's where where I played all along. I always played centre back, um, and he was part of the club Kilmaukood that I was in as well. So it's a weird one that I saw him. Um, and then as as I get older and older, I I just had a huge admiration for Declan Brown. Obviously, brilliant player, and he just had a, had a way of getting away from any defender. I just just blew my mind that he could do that and then um, yeah that those those two were pretty much key to what to what I what I wanted to do one's one's the defender one's the attacker so I try to have a hybrid in there <laughs> try to get forward score a bit also do my defensive duties you know so yeah yeah those two lads but well. other than that I wouldn't be looking at anyone else to just just enjoy watching watching the GA and, whatever bit I do watch, I don't watch too much, but uh, yeah, that's it pretty much, those two lads.
0: Yeah, absolutely, two legends of the game, uh, Declan Brown especially, unbelievable player for Tipperary down through the years. I suppose we'll wrap it up there, Robbie, thank you so much for joining and I wish you the best of luck with Barry Rowe and of course Tipperary in 2021. No
1: worries, thanks for having me. I'd
0: like to thank Robbie Coyley, for taking the time to sit down and chat to me about Tipperary's season in 2020. And obviously their hopes for 2021. It's interesting to know Robbie's club story as well. Moving from Dublin to Tip to Galway to Cork. And obviously from two clubs in Cork in fact. From Ross Carvey to Barry Row. Unbelievable story really. And very interested to hear about that. And obviously for Tipperary, what a season in 2020, as I've said, winning their first monster championship since 1935. And getting to that all-order semi-final, getting to play in Crow Park against a brilliant Mayo side, and that'll only stand to them. Anyway, it was great for Robbie to sit down and chat to me, and I wish him the best of luck in the future. So that brings a close to yet another episode of the GAS Statsman podcast. I'd like to thank you all very much for listening to me once again today, And I hope you all stay safe. Until the next episode, I'll see you then and take care.